Welcome to In Review, the podcast where one or two of us have not seen the film we're about to watch. I'm Ryan. I'm Jesse. And today, we... (laughs) You like that? We're talking about musicals, so it's so appropriate you would sing the theme song. Of course I would. I think you planned that. Maybe. A little... That's or a lot. Uh, that's yeah. It's great. That's <laughs> great. You went for like a 1950s type of like you know jingle. I right. appreciated that. I, yeah. I mean, it could have gone really south really quickly. I think that was that was a good good first try. I appreciate you gave that. Gave it the old college try. And I you did. Succeeded. I'm not a singer, but I'm not afraid to sing. That's how you know. That's just how I am. <laughs> well, listeners, if you were wondering what we're going to be talking about today, I think you've got a really good hint. Uh, today is all about musicals. Yes, it is, and we we have asked you have voted we have listened and we have and we are excited to watch my fair lady yes it is overwhelming that that was most definitely what we were gonna watch did we get any votes for anything else but my fair lady so here's the deal i was thinking about this and i was looking across all of our social media and there was one particular vote and I didn't know at first what it was. I was so confused by it. Did it say like MFL or something? No. It oh. said bing, 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 bing. And I was like, what does that even mean? I oh, almost. Like we have a winner, right? No. That was just what they wrote. And like it wasn't after any other of the votes. It was like on my personal share. Who are you? And I was like, I thought about it and I almost replied and I, I had to stop. I was like, clearly they're giving me a message here. Like this isn't just a joke. And I had to think about it because I even Googled it. I was like, is this a line from one of the musicals? Is that my hint? It wasn't that. So I thought about it really hard and I finally realized, oh, they mean Bing Crosby. So they must have meant high society. Ah. Ah. That's, I was like, that's got to be it. Yeah. Bing. Okay. So, I mean. One vote for high society. Yeah. What were the three choices? Let's do that and then we'll talk about it. Yeah. So high society was one. The second was guys and dolls. And the last one was my fair lady. Okay. High society, by the way, I found out is based off, uh, is a musical based off of the movie we have not seen. Mm-hmm. The Philadelphia story. Yeah. Subs- oddly enough, one of the first votes we ever did that was involved. Precisely. And uh, once again, it got voted down. So Crazy. as much as we want to learn about the Philadelphia story, we may never get there. Yeah, we have to wait a little <laughs> while. God. I'm complaining. Guys and Dolls, though a classic musical, apparently no one wanted us to watch because My Fair Lady overwhelmed them. Yeah, by a long shot. Like everyone was like... Yes, my fair lady, you're ridiculous if you want anything else. Why would you pick any? I'm like, all right, okay. Um, I'll concede. I have no problem with that. I have to make a confession, Jesse. Yes. Uh, While I have not seen my fair lady, I have not seen many Catherine, sorry, not Catherine, woof, Mm -hmm. Audrey Hepburn films in my life. Really? Uh, I couldn't even tell you one that I've watched fully. I've seen scenes of uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's. But you haven't seen Breakfast at Tiffany's. No. Uh, oh my god. The gosh. only one I could tell you that I have seen through, and mostly because I like Cary Grant, um, Roman Holiday. Right. Is that Cary Grant? Yeah. Yeah. Roman Holiday, I've seen. Haven't seen Breakfast at Tiffany's. I was li- literally yesterday talking about Breakfast at Tiffany's with somebody, and oddly enough, the director of that film 
Blake Edwards is also the famous director of the Pink Panther movies, which you have also not seen. I have also not seen. Yeah. It's a fantastic movie. Truman Capote wrote it. Um, really, really good stuff. Oh, Roman Holiday is not Cary Grant. It is Gregory Peck. Oh, I, gr- okay. I was like going back and forth going, okay, I maybe it's Atticus was... Finch. Maybe it's Cary Grant. Right. Man, I feel like I should have known that. Oh, happens. ah, Sabrina. She's also in Sabrina yeah. with Humphrey Bogart. She's in a bunch of things, man. Never seen her in Sabrina either. Though I have seen the remake with Harrison Ford. And Greg Kinnear. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Um, oh, so good. <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm looking funny face. Never seen it. Right. It's funny, though. I, I'll be honest. Like, I really haven't seen a ton of Audrey's work either. I've seen a lot of clips in my life. You know, and obviously I've seen Breakfast at Tiffany's and all that, but like, yeah, she's done so much and it's kind of funny. Charade? Never seen it. Yeah. Though that is the one with Carrie Green. That's, yeah. There um, you go. Stanley Donan. Yeah. yeah. Yep, nope. Never seen any of her stuff. So this is all going to be new road for me to see whether or not I actually like Audrey Hepburn. It's kind of funny. You, you meet a lot of uh, mm-hmm. women uh, that are our age, maybe a little bit younger, and they attribute femininity to Audrey Hepburn or Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. Um, having never seen any Audrey Hepburn films, I don't know why. Right. <laughs> having seen Marilyn Monroe films, I understand somewhat. I don't know. Maybe I'm trying to draw conclusions already. There's a level of fun and sophisticatedness between the both of their... Yeah, there's sophistication that they carry. There's a class. There's an air about them. There's something very feminine about who you know them and anything they do. Uh, being vulnerable and strong, you know, is definitely one of the things that they bring across. Um, then but, why aren't they choosing Princess Leia and Ripley instead? That's what I'm wondering. Well, mostly because these films came out way before those, <laughs> so nobody had a line to draw yet, sir. <laughs> uh, That's a little unfair. I'm just complaining because. Uh, my second confession is that I don't really want, don't, I could care less about watching this movie. <laughs> <laughs> the oh, the movie is three hours long. I know, and sometimes old movies are that long. Three hours long. Gone with the Wind it was like four, wasn't it? Yes, but worth it. Yeah, Braveheart, three plus. Worth it. Saving Private Ryan, three plus. Worth it. What if this is? Titanic, worth it. No, Gettysburg, not Titanic. worth it. You shut your mouth. James Cameron is a genius. I love James Cameron, but that movie is not about a boat. It's about two people, and they decided to call it Titanic. I was yeah. like, this is not okay. This isn't about the Titanic. This is a love story that happened on the Titanic. Well. That's not enough. It should have been about the ship. It should have been about all the people. Saving Private Ryan isn't about D-Day. It's about men trying to get a guy home. Yeah, but it's not called Titanic. It's not called World War Two. It's called Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> okay, so... If- <laughs> yes. Think about that. Okay, you're hurting my head. <laughs> I wanted to before we actually start the movie. Since you sing the intro, I have <clears throat> I have my own little game I want to play. Oh, okay. Let's play a game. Okay. I'm going to sing you a, a line from certain songs, and I want you to try and name either the song or the movie it's from. Okay. <laughs> the funny thing about this is that... Um, uh, as you've pro- if you've listened to previous episodes, Jesse has his inside joke with all of my friends, where when I quote things, I'm about eighty percent right for the quote. <laughs> so there is a chance that when I sing you these songs, they might not be accurate. 
But I'm hopefully, fully expecting that. <laughs> hopefully my pitch and my tongue will be able to carry the tune enough for you to recognize where they come from. <laughs> I got, love it. I've got six. Oh, beautiful. Uh, so, I love that <clears> so much. I'm only going to sing you parts of this because I'm horrible at singing, and this just makes it even better. That's totally great. Okay, I great. love it. All right. <clears throat> Let's start at the very beginning. A very good place to start. Ooh, I stumped you already on the very first one. I know. I'm like, I'm thinking Sound of Music. It is Sound of yeah. Music. Yeah. It's uh, the Do Re Mi song. There we go. Do Re Mi, female deer. Um, I don't know. I had to stop actually at that line because I forgot what it goes after that. So that's no, okay. Thanks. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I know you probably won't know number two, so I'll I'll say number two for the very end because I think that that would be a good one to end on. Right. Okay. <clears throat> you better know this one. Moses supposes his toeses are roses, but Moses supposes... Erroneously. Yes. Yes, that's Moses supposes from Singing in the Rain. Perfect, okay. <clears throat> if I were a rich man... Fiddler on the roof. Perfect, okay. The sun will come out tomorrow. Bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow. Annie. Okay. Um, somewhere over the, the rainbow... rainbow. Way up high. Uh, Wizard of Oz. Perfect. Slash, you've got mail. Okay. Wow, bonus points. Boom. Right. The last one. I'll give you five bucks cold hard cash if you can name this. Okay. You've got like 15 seconds after I sing it. Okay. Ever since I was a young boy, I played the silver ball. From Soho down to Brighton, I must have seen them all. There ain't nothing like them in an amusement hall. That deaf, dumb, and blind kid sure plays a mean pinball. No, I'll give you a hint. Okay. It's a rock opera. Oh my gosh. <clears throat> I know this. Five more seconds. Dang it! Three, two, one. Any guess? Just a guess. I was going to say, it's a name. It's a. It's like one name. Like It's not Tony. It's something else. Tommy. Tommy. God, I knew it was <laughs> freaking close. The Who made a rock musical called Tommy. And um, that song in the movie version God. of it, it's an album first and then they made a movie. Uh, that song's actually performed by the one and only Sir Elton John, Dad, actually. Um, it's, a, it's, it's a trippy film. Uh, but one that I must have you watch one day. Yes. Especially since um, you're, you and the listeners have forced me to watch My Fair Lady. I mean, it's my will. Right. I, okay, listen. I even Before we even started doing the podcast, I was like, Jesse, can we just completely ignore everybody's votes and watch something else? And I told him no, because we love you. <laughs> you, the listeners, are why this is important. I stress that to him. <laughs> So the integrity of this podcast is upheld by Jesse White. That's the, right, it is. The Russian backdoor dealing <laughs> is, is, is now monitored by Ryan Matthews. Yes, it's <laughs> absolutely. Oh, I'm sorry, I really shouldn't be complaining this much. Watch, it's going to convert me and I'm going to be like, oh my gosh, I was the best thing I've ever seen. And right. I'm going to be know. telling everybody to watch it, but I still can't even shut up about Jaws. Right? Jaws is fantastic, dude. Jaws holds up. Yes, it does. In fact, it was great because uh, somebody, one of our friends, uh, I told him, was like, I finally saw Jaws. And he was like, wow. 
and he hadn't seen it in years. And he was like, out of curiosity, does it hold up? Does it actually right. like stand stand true to the test of time? Yeah, I was like, yeah, actually, right? Um, the because they use real puppets, it holds up. I think they used some crappy version of CGI. It would right. Have been horrible. But no. Exactly. Like, you try and watch Independence Day now. Yeah, that's a whole sucks. other story. Horrible. I mean, god-awful. They need to redo it. Right. Um, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, but it's to the test of time. Maybe maybe this will convert me, and I'll end up, like, you know, not shutting up about my fair lady. It's possible, because, I mean, really, I thought, I remember this about Sound of Music, which is also pretty close to being that long, as far as I can remember. Oh, okay. I... Love the sound of music. And how can you not? And and, and another uh, uh, since we're you know we're exposing all of my heart and feelings today. Yes. Um, I had never seen Sound of Music until two years ago. Really? My wife flipped her lid. Good. Um, and the way she convinced me to watch it because I'm not I'm not a, you are a musical guy. Right. Sound of Music is my favorite movie, but I am not a musical guy. Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. I loved it, but. You mean singing in the rain is your favorite movie because you said Sound of Music is your favorite movie. Oh, yeah. Wow. Florian slept. No, Singing in the Rain is definitely my favorite movie. Gotcha. The way that my wife convinced me to actually watch The Sound of Music was um, telling me there were Nazis in it. Right. I was like, sold. Yeah, you're in. (laughs) She was so ticked off at me. Even more so because um, we we, we talked about earlier uh, about how... um, (laughs) Uh, in previous podcasts, how uh, most teenage boys, their first crush is Leia in Return of the Jedi. Right. Well, my first crush was Julie Andrews as Mary Poppins. Oh, yeah. I was convinced that I was going to marry she, Mary. Yeah, right. Every day is a holiday with Mary. Oh, yeah. So why wouldn't you want to marry Mary? Oh, no question. Julie Andrews is amazing. Completely Fantastic! She's champion in everything she's ever done. She's even a great writer. I highly recommend you read her autobiography if you ever get the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, her life story is nuts. Ugh. Anyways, yeah, I digress. My fair lady, right? That's what we're talking about. We're about to to get into some some wonderful my my fair lady musical action, and uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and dive into that because it is. As Ryan has stated many times over, three hours long. Three hours. Three hours. Yes. And we're going to make it through those three hours, and we're going to come right back, and we're going to pick up where we left off. But before we do, we're going to go ahead and give you guys an idea of what this movie is about. If you've never seen it before... As he pulls up that synopsis, I have to go back to Jaws real quick because I found this funny... My mother called me out about not seeing Jaws. She was like, shut your mouth. You've totally seen Jaws. You were just too young to remember it. Which my response to that, by the way, was, you let me watch Jaws as a child? <laughs> You're like, you would, yeah. That's sure. that's borderline child abuse. Right? <laughs> yeah. Sorry. No, absolutely. I had to put that in. Oh, wow. It actually won an Academy Award. Yeah. Eight. Academy Awards, including Best Picture yeah. in 1964. Okay. Yeah. So right. I'm going to go ahead and, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and throw, I guess, where, yeah, I'm going to pick up at this part right here. So Rex Harrison reprises his signature stage role of Henry Higgins, the supremely assured phoneticist 
who wagers that under his tutelage, Cockney flower girl Eliza Doolittle can pass for a duchess at the embassy ball. In one of her best-loved roles, Audrey Hepburn plays Eliza. If ever there was a face that professor could grow accustomed to, it's hers. In Hartford, Hirschford, and Hampshire, and elsewhere, no one's fairer than My Fair Lady, one of the most irresistible musicals ever. All right, well, there you got it. Just as normal, it'll be about 15 seconds for you, but it'll be three hours for us. <laughs> and uh, we'll come back with our thoughts and our takeaways. Stay tuned. Welcome back to In Review Podcast. We have just finished watching My Fair Lady. Yes, we have. Three hours. Yes, Ryan. <laughs> Movies are three hours sometimes. <laughs> I know. It's life. It happens. Ugh. I think also people had much longer attention spans back then. Well, there was nothing else to do. It was like <laughs> yeah, they had the nothing cinema. else to do. <laughs> the cinema, the horse races, and... Yeah, it, well, at least in jolly old England, that's how it was. You went to so. balls, and you went to the races, and you had tea. Tea. Some tea. <laughs> Some blooming tea. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can't 100% tell, but did you actually like it? Somewhat. I like Rex Harrison. Yeah. Uh, I grew up watching the original Dr. Doolittle movie right. as a child, and uh, I loved him in that. And so it was cool to see the movie that he actually got his Academy Award for. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like the fact that he is not a singer. No. And no, was no. perfectly fine with talking his singing parts. Right. And still got an Oscar from it. Yeah. Yeah. Man's well, a champion. Yeah, he is. But, I mean, Audrey... Hello. Any man that can call Audrey an impudent hussy and get paid for it is quite... That's... that. I mean, that hurts, man. Like, she's incredible. I'm, I'm not saying she is one. I'm just saying that, that... Yeah. I was impressed. You were impressed. I was impressed. Rex Harrison was a total, horrible, dastardly, despicable human being to oh, her he, he the was a total time. Bag. He was a total toolbag. Yeah. I per I mean like I I really enjoyed it personally. Really? Yeah. I mean it it's funny though cuz I I happen to be a lover of of the English language myself and the words that I choose and how I pronounce <laughs> and that's why I learn accents and stuff. It's part of why I'm an actor. I love language and I think that that's that hugely most incredibly appeals to me. I'm like, "Oh, this man and like everything he I listened very closely to everybody's dialogue, and almost nothing was repeated. He used different word. He used different adjectives all the time. He didn't. Al- almost nothing was repeated. Almost nothing, except for the. That's why I said almost. Rain in Spain falls mainly in the plain. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. That's also why <laughs> I, I put that qualifier out there. I was like, almost. <laughs> There's a handful. She did say, you know. I'm a good girl, I am. Many times. There was a few things that were repeated. Oh, yeah. she. Boy, I am a good girl, sorry. Yeah. 
Exactly. <laughs> over and over and over. Oh my gosh, though. I love it, though, because she, Audrey does such a great job of having that Cockney accent for so long. And what I love even more is that when she goes through her transformation, quote unquote, she has that change, but she still carries that Cockney with her a little bit. You do see her switch over to it every once in a while. Right. She doesn't hold it, and I'm, that makes me really happy because a lot of times I think people, it, it's too it's too real, or, it, or it's unreal. It's just basically, oh, transformation equals she'll never talk that way again. She grew up that way. That's how she was, and how do you get rid of that completely in six months? Check this out, though. She actually didn't sing live. Right. 95% of her singing in this movie was actually not her. Yeah. It was dubbed, and it was sung by Marty Nixon, who did the dub work for King and I and the West Side Story. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a pretty common thing. In fact, a movie that you have not seen yet that you will, um, White Christmas. Oh, yeah. We keep that, bringing that up. Yeah. Well, there's a good reason for it. <laughs> My example is about to be made. Okay, so basically in that film, there are two lady um, protagonists that are sisters, Rosemary Clooney being one and Vera Ellen being the other. Rosemary Clooney was a singer and a fantastic singer, but and Vera Ellen was a dancer, an amazing dancer, and they were both famously known for those things, but neither of them could do both. So Rosemary could sing, but she couldn't dance, and Vera could dance, but she couldn't sing. So, basically, they both actually thought, this is ridiculous, why can't you do this? But they ended up dubbing Vera Ellen and having somebody else sing her parts, and they gave almost no dancing, really none, to Rosemary. Interesting. And so, this is pretty common back then. It's like, you're good enough to do this, we'll go ahead and throw somebody else over that, because you can't quite do that. You know who was originally thought for the role, who played the role of Eliza Doolittle? In the uh, the stage production of My Fair Lady? No. A 19-year-old by the name of Julie Andrews. Aha! Uh-huh. My first love. Right. Mary Poppins. <laughs> was passed over for this role by Audrey Hepburn. Yeah, I'm not that mad, though. Well, honestly, it was only because she wasn't really known yet. Yeah. Audrey yeah, Hepburn had been... Yeah, she'd been working. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I wouldn't have been mad if she had at all. I, I would personally love to hear Julie Andrews with a Cockney accent, but Audrey does such a good job. And, I, I mean, seriously, like, one of the things, this is something I've learned through, like, even one of my acting, my acting coach um, was talking about this in class once, especially about Audrey. She always, in any film she was really ever in, this is at least what she was telling me, she that she always found a way to cry even if it wasn't a sad scene like julie she, andrews no audrey oh, really yeah like she found a reason to cry even if it wasn't a sad scene and Why? it became kind of a trick kind of just a trademark like she knew that she would be remembered like she could turn on the waterworks and a lot of people couldn't you know I mean, I guess play to your strengths. Yeah, because, I mean, a lot of, especially back then, acting was still not really in its infancy, I guess, but there was still so much to be developed. And, like, crying on on demand was really tough 
for really people to do, even Debbie Reynolds in Singing in the Rain. You may or may not know this, but she didn't really cry at the end when she runs off stage. She they had to cut onions up and 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 expose her to it so that she would have tears because she just couldn't do it. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. I'm acting. Exactly. Forceful crying. The story mm-hmm. I I had been told before we watched it and it, it definitely is accurate to it. Um, is based off of a, an old Greek myth uh, about Pygmalion. Yeah. So the story's about a sculptor that creates his own work, falls in love with the statue that he created. Yeah. Then the statue comes to life and marries it, essentially. Well, okay. So this is where I feel like the the divergence is because I don't genuinely think that they fell in love. You don't think they fell in love? Not romantically, no. Well, see, the professor just didn't openly say it, but I think he didn't have to. No, I think genuinely he was just like, I'm just going to miss you. And you're part of my life and my family. Not so much romantically, because even she says later on in the film... Freddie Hill writes me twice and three times a day, sheets and sheets. Oh, in short, you want me to be as infatuated about you as he is, is that it? No, I don't. That's not the sort of feeling I want from you. I want a little kindness. I don't want romance from you. I don't need that. I just need kindness. And she really does love Freddie. And will marry him, not not just to spite him but because she does care, because he cares. He's showing that. He's, he was the one who was with her and was like, I will go where you go. I come here at night because of you. Hmm. There's such a deeper understanding of his love for her, and, and she, I feel, reciprocates that. But she cares deeply for the professor, for Henry Higgins, because he, had, he has done so much for her, and, and she it can't be ungrateful. Wow, I, I, I didn't get that at all. I, I, I thought that they were they mutually tolerated each other, like you said. But I do think that they would that they were in love. I think that you see that frustration of her loving him, but her not thinking that he loves her, based on when she's running away and she's singing to Kenny or whatever his name is. Um, her frustration and uh, not finding love. Like or at least not feeling the love is reciprocated. She's like, at least do something. If you're gonna kiss me, kiss me. Like, right. Hold me, hold me. Yeah. But, I mean, seriously, do you, does that not make sense? <sighs> Victorians, they, you know, <laughs> they don't really show their emotions that way. All right, favorite song. Oh man. So personally, my favorite song. I've been listening to it. This is what's crazy. I've been listening to this song for a very long time. And didn't know it came from this. It's uh, you. I could have danced all night, and it's one of my favorite musicians of all time. Jamie Cullum sings this on one of his albums, and I thought it was just his song. And I've listened to it so many times, and then it shows up in My Fair Lady. Audrey Hepburn starts singing it, and I, it, uh, an alarm goes off in my head. I'm like, I know all these words, and I've never seen this. <laughs> So I loved that. That was a good one. On the Street Where You Live is was another good one. Mm-hmm. Um, classic. Uh, been redone multiple times. Dean Martin sings a version of it. Right. 
Um, having never seen the film, though, those two songs out of all of them are the most sung. But I really like the song about, like, why can't women be more like men? The most sexist song in the world. <laughs> <laughs> why can't a woman be more like a man? Men are so honest, so thoroughly square, eternally noble, historically fair. But when you win, we'll always give your back a pat. But why can't a woman be like that? Why can't a woman be like a man? Oh, gosh. <laughs> like, I love how he, like, threw a fit while he was singing and shut the door. And, and then, then opened, opened it, it again. Up. And he was, like, making another point about it. It's like, like seven times. If there was a woman present, you like, in that room with him, it'd be like, like all I kept thinking was like, dude, just keep digging your hole, man. You're, you're, yeah, you're not, it's, you're not helping anybody in this situation. No, it's so funny because it's like I, it, that was still pretty like horrible back then to say that kind of stuff. But if you pull that now, in 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 this decade that we live in, people in Tumblr would kill you. He would have been like shot. Yeah, it would have been really bad. It was, but I mean, but I agree with you. It was hysterical. Oh, it I was, was great. Laughing the whole time. I I like put my head down i couldn't like look i'm like oh this is so uncomfortable oh the very gosh. beginning uh the the cap the, the colonel colonel pickering is like you know if you're going to do this you you need to be like strong moral character and you know don't fall in love with her essentially or don't take advantage of this woman right and and then the professor goes down this diatribe of talking about he even starts singing about how um you know, he and women just don't seem to be compatible. Right. But he makes it sound like it's almost as if, like, um, you know, the women have requests and he doesn't want to meet them. But at the end, I'm beginning to, I, I, I started to realize that, no, that's just a, like an easy way for him to pish posh. But it's really probably that no woman is attracted to him because he pulls crap like that. Yeah. Or he's like, can't you just act more like me? Yeah. Can't you just? Why don't you just why can't be you me? Be good. I love myself. Yeah. Just be me. Yeah, just love yourself too, and we'll get along just great. No, I. Yeah. He's so full of himself. He's no. so full of himself the entire time. It's true. It's like it's hard too though, because like clearly he's brilliant and he knows what he's doing, but he just has this like, like unwavering honesty, but it, there's no like compassion in it. There's no, like, love behind it because, like, that, I mean, it's, I think it's great. Yeah, tell the truth. But, like, if you're going to break someone over and over again, like, like, this is where I think it would go crazy. Like, if the king showed up and said something wrong, would you be yourself and correct him? Would you, would you be as honest as you've been acting? he... The professor would totally correct the kid. You think he would? Oh, totally. It doesn't matter. Like, he's trying to teach. Like, any human being on the planet. I don't he, care how important you are. Oh, dude, that guy's so full of himself. <laughs> like, he's trying to teach Eliza all these, like, professional airs and mentalities and, and, and ways to conduct herself. But he, he, he's, I mean, he's not even allowed to be a part of 
his mother's box for uh, uh, you know a horse race the races like, yeah he's not dressed the right way like he he doesn't care yeah he's like i'll do what i want i changed my shirt right i have a fresh shirt on yeah like, what are you talking about mom clearly and he has like he's he himself it's actually it's probably um on par with what they were trying to do but he himself is an outcast from society yeah from from the upper class society and he's taking someone who's considered an out an, an uh an outcast from an upper class mentality as well and try to make her seem more appropriate for the upper class i think that's mostly fair but i mean like he did get invited to the ball and he was ah, ah. dudded up no he was a guest with colonel pickering he was he himself was not invited i i mean they don't really elaborate upon it but he didn't walk eliza into the room colonel right. pickering did right well I, I mean hey i could be wrong and that's fine i just thought that that was the whole point because he had brought that up i thought before uh-huh. even the colonel did because they were talking about it he mm-hmm. said i could turn this girl into a duchess and take her to any ball that's true but even if so the reason why he would have been invited was because of his mother not because of him i mean he has social standing he has he has that ability i i mean i see where you're going to like i don't i don't think that that's wrong either but i'm like i think that he could have gone on his own if he wanted to yeah. like he would have been invited yeah but okay. i i understand yeah. Now, I do want to mention something because I know we've talked about the story a lot, but I also want to talk a little bit about the video real quick as far as the film itself. Because uh, there's, there's one thing I found really interesting. It showed up a whole bunch. It showed up in key spots, but they used a vignette around multiple, multiple scenes. Mm-hmm. And m- I think in general... After watching it, I think I finally got the gist of what was happening. I couldn't figure out the reason why they were doing it. Like, the daydream one is such an old trope. Right. But that's what it mostly was, was dreaming. Like, it was, you were in a dream space. And there was a spot, especially when, right before, like, uh, or right after Eliza comes out trying to pronounce her A's and starts singing about, you know, how much she basically hates the professor... There's a huge vignette, like it's super blurry and the center is just clear enough for her, you know. And then when Freddie is out singing um, on the street where you live, he he has a vignette too. Like there's certain spots where it shows up and it generally is either it's it's not so much a dream or it, it's more that they're singing about dreaming about something. Mm-hmm. They dream for this. They they wish for this. So at first, I kind of thought it was pretty heavy-handed, but it's I'm seeing kind of a pattern. I still don't think it landed well. It wasn't perfect, but it's also one of those things where that I believe probably, I could be wrong, was very early stages as far as like an as an option. Maybe. Maybe I would agree. You know? I, I think where they did well, though was when we first meet Mr. Doolittle, Eliza's father, and, you know, they just woke up. It's early in the morning, and they almost do a way of, like, fast-forwarding until, you know, there's the street's filled. Yes. By, like, doing it in sections. People would come in, and they'd stop. Yes. more people would come in and stop. Yeah, and the people, freezing, yes. Until everyone was in place, and then they moved. That was 
so cool. I agree. And it was it was neat because it's a stage trick for mm-hmm. actual, um, you know, an actual like theater, play, yeah, like theater. Mm-hmm. But they used it in film, and it it converted well. Yeah, not everything that you could do on a stage converts well to film. Right, but that definitely worked in their favor and i thought it was a really neat uh gimmick that played well into like what the heck is going on what the heck is going on oh that was cool i had literally written that down that was like the first standout moment for me too visually i was loving it and and the great thing too and this is what what also topped it for me was every time the people walked into the scene and froze the music would ding like there was a timing to everything and the camera would pull out and you could see more and it was just this really cool reveal and it was well timed the choreography of it was brilliant Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah um favorite lines man i there's so many horrible things that he says that i thought were so hilarious like in the very beginning he says something along the lines of Woman who utters such disgusting and depressing noise, it has no right to be anywhere, no right to live. She shouldn't even be living, you know, like just totally is like, you worthless, you worthless gutter snipe. Yeah, yeah, he does call her a gutter snipe multiple places. Yeah. And then she even, when she meets up with, I'm going to say Nikki, but that's not right, Freddie. It I is Freddie. Nikki. Yeah, it's Freddie. Um, and she's like, please, do you think I'm a gutter snipe? Right? <laughs> uh, I, oh, my favorite line was when they were at the races and she finally showed uh, her her poor self instead of her uh, her, her newly trained oh. background. She's like, Come on, Dover! Move your blooming ass! Dover, move your blooming ass! <laughs> and everyone's like, mm. Yeah, everyone suddenly is super uncomfortable, including her. Man, my... We have gone a long way from 100 years ago, my friend. I, it's true. So you really enjoyed it. I did. I really did. I, I, I'm, again, it's one of those things, like, I understand why it won a lot of awards. And the stage, like, the the sets are beautiful. The, the colors are beautiful. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, everything was really thought out. Costume design was the, on point. Exactly. The fashion, exactly was incredible and the way they did it and it's just it really deserves what it got for sure it was beautiful yeah i i, I liked it i'm certain my daughter's gonna want to watch it and i'll watch it then um i i and it reinvigorated my love for rex i really loved dr doolittle as a little boy and mm-hmm. um makes me want to actually like grab a copy of that and watch it tomorrow <laughs> it makes me want to watch that and it makes me want to watch all of audrey's work she does so good. I mean, honestly, I've, you know, this is Roman Holiday. That's all I've got. So I guess, I mean, I have Breakfast at Tiffany's. Maybe I'll pull that out. That's a great one. Doesn't she see Moon River in that? Yes. Okay. That's what I thought. Anyways, mm-hmm. um, we're going over our time. And I think it's about that time, my friend, that we start wrapping this up. What do you think? I think so. I think we'll we'll go ahead and wrap it up and we'll... We'll go ahead and remind you guys to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash inreviewpodcast and on Twitter and Instagram at inreviewpodcast. 
This has been In Review. I'm Jesse. I'm Ryan. And tune in next week for our next episode. Oh, I promise we will do less singing than this episode. <laughs> Says you. <laughs>